continuing our series uh, in Philippians and actually we're now getting towards uh, sort of the end part um, and the bit we're looking at today which is in uh, Philippians chapter 4 verses 2 to 9 are sort of getting towards concluding remarks um, they get quite personal in terms of um, some of the things he's addressing and um, but what they need that the context of them is really that actually they're a sort of a summary or a conclusion to a lot of what Paul's already said in the letter and so although he makes a number of statements and they're what they what they're termed as exhortations they're encouragements they are spurring us on to live a life that is um, honoring to God very similar to to what Joe was talking about there um, they actually, when we look at them, they do refer back, really, and they reference or, or they uh, it, a lot of how we put them into practice is already uh, been um, explained in the letter uh, in the first three chapters. And so when we when we look at this, we you know, we, we won't have time to go into it. And hopefully uh, what we've looked at over the last few weeks, um, you can bring to mind as uh, as we look at what Paul is saying in these last um uh, in these in these verses and the other thing to say about them and and something I've you know as I was praying about uh, this uh, this morning is that these verses are actually a sort of spiritual MOT and wh when I say that I mean um, most of you will know uh, you've got a car is that you every now and again have to take it every year is take it down to the garage to check it out, make sure that it's uh, you know, the tires are the are okay, um, that it's uh, it's safe, the brakes are okay, uh, and 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 in fact the, the the emissions now this is really important that the emissions are right, and so you know and, and actually sometimes you have to have a bit of work done to make sure that the car is is working well and is safe, and and these verses if you like are a little bit like that. There are a spiritual MOT. There are things for us to sort of think. Oh, am I behaving this way? Is that is that how I am? And it's not to bring condemnation. There's no sense of that at all in this, this letter. But it is a, a, a wake-up call, if you like, thinking, oh, actually, that's not quite right, is it? I need to make some adjustments. Uh, maybe some of my emissions aren't quite what they should be. Um, and, uh, and actually, I need to, uh, you know, I need to just make some, I need to, 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 to look back at this letter. I need to look at what Paul has said. And, uh, and see how, um, you know, how, how I can um, apply those, those things that Paul said into my life so that I can, uh, you know, uh, start uh, living the way that God wants us to live. And, and, but it's not a case of these rules that God has put in place. It's about living a life uh, that is the best. It's, uh, I, I love the, 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 the uh, you know, living our best life is, is one of the uh, um, uh, examples the way it's advertised for this uh, this debt course that is being run and I think that's great and God's heart for us is that we live our best life and so these this this spiritual MOT is about adjusting ourselves and, and realigning ourselves so that we can live in the way God intended us to live so let's let's dive into it so I'm going to read um, um I'm going to just not read the whole lot I'm going to read bits of it so we're going to start with um Philippians chapter uh, four and then we'll just read verses two and three to start with so he says there I plead with you Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord yes and I ask you loyal yoke fellow help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names 
are in the book of life. Now, this is a really almost odd way that Paul addresses. It becomes very personal. He is talking now directly to two women in the church. They're clearly uh, disagreeing over something. Now, we don't know the nature of the disagreement. What we can sort of surmise is that it's not a fundamental uh, biblical issue. Uh, Paul doesn't mince his words when he, uh, in, in the previous bit of the letter, when, uh, when he was referring to people who wanted to bring back circumcision and bring back the law, he, he called them dogs and mutilators of the flesh. He, he, he was really cross at people who were against the, the true freedom, the true gospel. So clearly he wasn't trying to uh, pick up on fundamental issues of truth. Here he, he was talking to two women who he clearly esteemed, clearly loved in God, who have worked with him. Um, who had come to some sort of disagreement. Now, uh, this disagreement must have lasted some time for Paul to have heard about it, to have written a letter about it, because there would have been delay in him hearing about it, and then this letter coming um, across from, uh, from, from Rome, where Paul was in prison. So clearly, it was something that was affecting these women, but probably affecting the church as well. And so Paul was really uh, concerned that these women would work it out. Um, and... I mean, the reality of it is, of course, is that Christians from time to time do disagree. I'm sure that comes as quite a shock to some of you, but maybe it doesn't. And, um, and, and so Paul was, no, Paul wasn't taking sides. Paul wasn't, uh, you know, having a go at them. In fact, the way he puts it, I, I love the way he puts it. He doesn't say, um, I plead with you, you, you Odia and Tintiki uh, to, to agree. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. He's talking individually to each one of them. So Paul is really concerned about them and he wants them to come to agreement uh, in the Lord. Now that's a really interesting phrase and we haven't got time to go into it because it really refers back to everything he was saying in chapter two. Um, and, uh, and, and, and Rochelle did a, a really helpful preach on that a few weeks back about how we... Uh, are stay united in the midst of uh, you know challenges, and he's not saying you you have to agree on everything. You you have to uh, have to you know believe the same things and do the same things. He's not saying that there is uh, there's grace in having different opinions and different understandings. Um, but what he's saying is we need to agree in the Lord. And if we look back to chapter two, and we're not going to go into it in, in, in depth here because, you know, we've got time. It's about being humble. It's about uh, putting the gospel first, making sure that Jesus is honoured in everything that we do. It's agreeing in the Lord. It's about not pushing our own agendas. It's about uh, taking the same attitudes of Jesus, who, who didn't grasp what was rightfully his but gave it up for the sake of somebody else and it's pushing others forward and so Paul is saying look agree in the Lord I, I love you guys I you know I love you women you you, you you've contended you're 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 honored in the church you're 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 amazing people but I know you're disagreeing come together in the Lord and 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 put your disagreements aside do it in the way that I've spoken to you about in chapter two um, and the other thing he says, which is really interesting, he talks to what he called a yoke fellow. Now, we don't know who he is. It might have been Luke. It might have been uh, one of the other leaders in the church. Incidentally, these, these women were probably leaders in the church as well. So we don't, we don't really know uh, much about them. But the fact that he was referring to them, they clearly were prominent women. 
Um, but he was calling on someone else, a sort of a, a mediator, someone who, who knew them both, who loved them, um, who would help them. And, um, and this was a, it's an interesting thing. He was saying, like, actually, sometimes when you disagree, you need an outside body to come in and just help you talk these things through, work it out. Very practical. And, um, and so Paul is really concerned that this disagreement doesn't disrupt this, the lives of these women and consequentially the life of the church. You know, disunity has been a terrible uh, blight on the church over the years. And Paul is desperate that this doesn't happen in Philippi and, and wants these women. And he's not, he's not having a go at them. He's not telling them they're bad. He's just saying, look, guys, come together in God. And I just want to... Uh, uh, you know, just concluding this bit, just to say disagreements between Christians do happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one of them is wrong and one of them is right. In fact, Paul, at the end of that passage says, uh, that, that passage says, whose names are written in the book of life. He's making a point. These people are fellow brothers and sisters. They've been chosen by God. They're loved by God. And that's you, the way you, you need to view them when you have this disagreement. So just to conclude then, it may be that someone even listening to this is, you know, has got some disagreement with a fellow Christian, um, maybe in the church or outside. And, and the, the, the plea is get united, get uh, uh, united in the Lord, uh, agree in the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you, if that's you, that actually God is saying to you, do something about it. Maybe call someone that you trust to come along and help you because unity is so important and unity is what God is desires for us and for, for, the, for the body. So let me just encourage you, if that's, if, if that's you or if it happens in the future, um, put these things into practice. Go and have a look through uh, chapter two of Ephesians uh, and, and, and then uh, go and work it out with this other person uh, because it's, it was important to Paul and it's important to the unity of the church today. So that was the first thing. The next uh, items, um, and I'm going to read this out, uh, in, is verse four, which says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I, I love this verse. It's so succinct and it's so uh, packed with truth. And again, we haven't got time to unpack it all. But basically, Paul is saying as a Christian, as a child of God, we have a right, if you like, to have joy all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. And, and what I love about it is if you look again, again, if you look back at Paul's letter and you look at what he's going through, he's in prison, he's being persecuted, he has concern for the church. He's, he's concerned about um, all sorts of things going on around him. He's got Christians who are actively trying to do him down. And yet he is able to say, I'm rejoicing. In fact, in, uh, in chapter 1 and verse 18, he refers to people preaching Christ to stir up trouble for him. And then at the end of that, he says, but I'm rejoicing. I'm happy because Christ is being preached. And so Paul is working out what it means to always rejoice he's got to that point he's worked out that actually in God in 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 his relationship with Jesus in meeting with him he can know joy in the midst of some terrible 
situations that he finds himself in. And so, and so this, this sort of spiritual checklist for us is this, am I knowing joy in the midst of what's going on? And if I'm not, then there is a hope for me to know that I can have joy as I look at how Paul behaved, as I press into God, that joy is for me because it is the right of every Christian to know that joy. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on. It's the, it's the right of every child of God to know that joy, even in the midst of most challenging circumstances. So I want to encourage you again, if that's you, you know that you're, you're lacking joy. God's word for you today is press into him, press in to know him because he's got joy for you. He's got that for you because that's the right of every child of God to experience his joy and his hope and his peace. So going on then to the next verse. Verse five, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, again, this is uh, a case where I don't know about you, um, but if things aren't quite going right, if there is a difficulty that I'm struggling with, it's often the way I react. Uh, you can tell, my wife can tell that my gentleness perhaps isn't what it used to be. Some of my emissions aren't quite what they should be. And that can be true of all of us, isn't it? When things aren't quite right, when we've got a burden, when we've got a problem, when, uh, when, when, when things aren't right inside us, if we rub up against people, they don't necessarily get our gentleness. They get something, they might get our bark rather than our kindness. And so here again is Paul's encouragement Actually, if that's not the case, if your gentleness isn't known to all, then there's probably something not quite, uh, there's something amiss. And again, it's not a condemnation. It's let's work out. God is near you. Let's draw close to him. Now, that reference to God is near is, is, is twofold. It's actually, you know, we were a song we were singing about. God is with you. He's right beside you. You can draw on him. You can go to him. He can help you in this to deal with whatever is causing uh, you to not be gentle. And also it refers to the fact that God is coming back. And actually, we, we, we live in a time where we need to be those uh, showing the goodness of God and the gentleness of God and the love of God to those around us. It's part of the gospel. Um, and so in those two ways, Paul's saying, look, you need to be gentle with one another. You need to be gentle with the, with the world so that they can see the goodness of God in the way you live and behave. So again, if that is true, you know that because of events and circumstances, you've not been as gentle or, or as loving or as kind as you could have been. And again, God's saying, come close to me, come into my presence, come and draw close to me. I've got uh, you know, uh, gentleness for you, if you like. I can draw out those things that are causing you pain and causing you to react in the wrong way. And, uh, and draw close to me. And again, look at, look at how Paul behaves in the first few bits of the letter. So just want to encourage you in that one. Verse six and seven. Let me read those out. These are, these are well-known verses uh, and actually quite challenging verses. Verse six and seven, do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that <clears throat> all of us, uh, me included very much, will face circumstances that will cause us to be concerned. It might be about our current situation, it might be about our, our children, it might be about our work, it might be about our health. There are so many things that can crowd into our lives that cause us to worry. But the, the word here is very, it's not really a, it, it's a command. Do not worry about anything. And that's quite hard. We, you know, this is something we find really difficult. I find really difficult to work out. What does it mean to not worry about anything? But then Paul, of course, goes on to provide the antidote. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, present your prayers and petitions to God with thanksgiving. So Paul is saying there is an antidote, there is a way forward here, is that in everything by prayer. And so God, Paul here is, is encouraging, actually there is a solution to worry, is actually take it to God. You know, elsewhere he says pray continually in a different book. So Paul is saying actually prayer is vital here. And prayer isn't simply us just pouring out and talking and, and, and just you know, moaning to God all the time. I mean, that's part of it at times. But actually, prayer is primarily communion with God. It's about being with God. It's not us just talking. It's about us being in communion with God. It's being close to him. It's speaking to him and we then hearing his voice. Prayer is two-way. And so Paul is saying, come close to God. If you start worrying, come close to God. Talk to him about what is on your mind. Give your petitions, give your requests. Say what it, what it is you want. And, uh, and then the other thing, which is really important, is thanksgiving. And of course, thanksgiving, we know, really helps us. When we are thankful people, it lifts our spirits. But the other thing about thankfulness is that it points out what God has already done. And for me, that is so vital. If, I, if I'm struggling at some point to look back over my life and, and look at the points where God has stepped in, where God has intervened in ways that are remarkable and noticeable, I can, I can thank God for that, but also have great hope. He stepped in there. He made a difference. He changed the situation. He provided here. He did this. Thank you, Lord, for that. And actually, because he did it then, he was faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. And I think it's so important that, that, that we have that thankfulness, that we remember what God has done uh, day by day. Uh, look at the big things, the small things, and say, look, God is so good. He is so faithful. And in this particular cir circumstance, he's going to be faithful again. He is going to keep me from harm. He is going to protect me. He's going to be with me. And whatever I go through, I will know his goodness and his grace and his faithfulness. And, and recalling those things is so helpful um that that actually uh that god has been there and he will always be there and paul does this he talks about um uh you know in the, in in the previous verses in verse one verse six he says god is at work and will complete that work in you in one verse 28 he says don't be frightened you are saved by god uh two verse 13 it says god again god is at work in you uh, and one verse 21 for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So even when he was facing death, he was, he was not worrying because he knew he was going to be with Jesus. And so 
all the way through this letter, he's giving examples of how people can live this way, how people can live without worry, knowing the goodness and the grace and the love of God. And so, again, it's, it's one of those things that when we, when we start worrying, and, we, and it's, it might be good, as, a, as it were, as a spiritual checklist to read through these things and think, do you know what, I'm starting to worry. I need to go back. What is, what is the antidote to that? How does Paul deal with worry how does he how does he cope with that what is the instruction there how can i overcome this and and, and it'll be really helpful for us to uh, uh, you know to just to apply those truths so coming on then to towards the end of this section verse eight and this is an interesting one which paul mentions he says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul now moves on to the battle for our minds. And he's saying, actually, our minds are so important in the way we behave and the way we act and the way we live and the way we feel. Clearly, our minds dominate everything. Um, in, in Romans, he talks about renewing our minds and making sure our minds are renewed in God and so here he's giving really practical examples of of how we can renew our minds how we can make sure our minds are right and the fact is today there is so much we can fill our minds with we can there is so much news there is all the social media there's Facebook Twitter podcasts internet television everything there's so much that we get bombarded with some of it's good, some of it's great, some of it isn't so good. I remember having a debate with some of our young people to say, I'm not affected, I can watch anything, I can watch horror films, I can watch, I can watch all this and it won't affect me. And I'm thinking, that's not true. You might not think it's affect you, but actually when you look at stuff, all stuff that comes into us affects us. Now I'm not saying we should cut ourselves off from anything bad. You know, we shouldn't look at the news. I mean, the news, over the last few weeks and months has been awful. And we look at the news in India and things, and those things affect us and they, and they weigh heavy on us. And of course, and it's not right for us to say, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at the news, not gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna just, you know, hide myself away. That's not what Paul is saying. But what he's saying is be aware that your mind is powerful and we need to protect our minds. And so when we have been through a day when we have been bombarded with stuff which isn't that helpful or isn't that good or is, is, uh, it weighs on our minds, we need to fill our minds with that which is really helpful, that which is good, that which is excellent, that which is praiseworthy. Of course, the greatest answer of that is Jesus himself. When we look at him and the way he lived and the way he, he loved and the way he acted, and if we study him and we read through some of the Gospels, we are filled with goodness and excellence and uh, and uh, and we can see his life and and how uh, and how that you know how, how he gave himself for us and that is just a wonderful way that, that 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 you know that we can do that can study Jesus but there's many other ways um, uh, we can look at the um, exploits of previous men and women of God and and what they did to uh, honor God and how they lived for him and and how they served the gospel um, we can look at the sacrifice of everyday men and women. You know, even if they weren't Christians, we can see uh, the image of God displayed in people who do heroic acts and, and we can marvel at their goodness. 
um, because they display something of the glory and the image of God. We can look at nature. Some of the things that obviously uh, we do a lot, we love seeing uh, all around us the, uh, the glory of God in nature, whether it be uh, the flowers or the birds or, 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 or views or whatever it is, we, we, we just glory in that. Um, uh, and uh, the creativity of mankind. Um, some of the amazing, I, I love going through London at times and, uh, and there's certain buses that you can get that go through some amazing architecture. And although they're man-made, they display something of the creativity of, that God has put in man because they reflect, uh, he's made, they're made in his image. Uh, and some of the amazing artwork that, uh, you know, what does, you know so this isn't for everybody, but um, many of the galleries are opening up in London and they're free. And some of the, the artwork just displays the glory, uh, 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 the, the majesty of, of God because of the creativity of those who made it. And so all of these things are great to fill our minds with, some music and, and all that as well. And so it's not just the Bible, although clearly that's on the top of the list, but it's other things that God has created or allowed to be created because of his creativity in mankind. And it's filling our minds with those things is really helpful to enable us not to be dragged down by what we see. And we need to be sensible about what we watch and what we, what we give our minds to, because it will have an effect on us. You know, some of the some of the reality TV programs that we have on TV, and I'm not going to, you know, command or, or say, and it's, not, it's for each person to work it out. But I, I find when I've watched some of them, I just feel really brought down by it all. And actually, that's not helpful. So uh, I tend to avoid watching them. Um, but each person has their own. But be aware, be aware of the effect of what's going on in your mind and apply what Paul is saying here, these truths, think on those things which are excellent and praiseworthy and good and true, and it will help us. Just finishing off with, and, and this, is, this is Paul, uh, actually, I, I love the way that Paul is so confident. Uh, and, uh, and, and he says this at the end, he says, whatever you have heard, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace Will be with you all the way through the book paul has been very personal all the way through fact chapters one two and three he's talked about himself and talked about how he has dealt with these situations how he has found joy how he has uh, in the middle of the suffering how he has lived uh, in the in the goodness and the grace of god and he said look you've seen that copy that copy that you know i can i'm not perfect but actually i have learned what it is to be content in all circumstances he says elsewhere and actually learn from me learn from my personal example of how I have battled these things through and got to a place of, of knowing God in his goodness and his love in the midst of these, these crises, these difficulties. And so he says, put it into practice. And I guess that's really where we need to end here. All the stuff that we've talked about, let's learn by God's grace to put it into practice that we may be children of God in this crooked and depraved generation, as it says uh, earlier on that we may shine as stars in the universe. Uh, and that's Paul's call for us. And that's God's call for us. And that's what we are, having, are able to do through God's grace. So I just want to pray in closing. And I just want to go through just very briefly those points. And if any of those things just struck a chord with you, yeah, I know that I'm not as gentle as I should be. Yeah, I know I'm worrying about this. Yes, I know that I just know I've been watching the wrong things and my mind is really laid down. Whatever it is, let God come by his spirit right now 
and just minister to you that you may just know his grace and just be really enabled to move on from there and just receive his goodness, his peace, his love. So I just want to pray for you now. I just want to pray uh, specifically, Lord, I want to pray now for anybody that's currently in conflict with another uh, Christian, another child of God. I pray, Lord, help them to work that out. Help them to agree in the Lord. Help them to work it through. And Lord, maybe they need to bring someone else on Lord, but give even put in their mind right now, someone that can they can bring alongside to help them, that they may have harmony, they have, may have unity. Lord, I pray for those that, uh, Lord, are, are lacking joy at the moment. Lord, they, they've been through a tough time, whatever it is. I pray, God, that you would draw them into yourself, that they would know how to have joy in the midst of their circumstances. They know they won't wait now until the end of the circumstance. They won't wait until it's over. But God, they will draw close to you. And by your grace, they would experience joy right now. And that peace of God which comes into their heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those that have struggled with gentleness. Lord, let them have your gentle touch and love come upon them. And let them just know, uh, Lord, that you are touching them and encouraging them in gentleness and bringing about peace in their heart, Lord, whatever it has caused them to, to not be as gentle as they once were. And Lord, I pray for those that are worried right now, God, the anxiety that's come. And I pray, God, that that peace of God, as they come to you with their petitions, as they come to you with thankfulness, God, I pray that peace will flood their hearts, even now, God, knowing that you are in charge, you are in control, you, you love them and you're with them. And Father, finally, those that uh, Lord, have struggled with their thought life, struggled with battling their mind. I pray, Lord, flood their heart and their mind right now with your peace. Fill them with the good things of your kingdom. Fill them with the delights that you have, Lord, at your hand, Lord God. Fill them with the wonder of Jesus. Fill them with the wonder of nature. Fill them with the wonder of, of your goodness and surrounding them, we pray. Let them experience something of your wonder and your goodness and your truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.